Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I want to ask everybody, if you haven't had active shooter training, to please sign up. Go to our website where it says event registration. Sign up and attend next Saturday, and all the details are on our website. I also want to ask everybody, if you know a awesome veteran, they're all awesome, write up a, a little story and send it to us. Uh, we're going to honor a veteran in the parade. We're going to give them a huge gift basket and have them on the show. Just a, a way to say thank you for everything that you've done, too. In the studio today, we have a whole bunch of people. We have Frank from TPD. He's a detective. We have Scott who used to be with TPD, and we have, what's your name again? (laughs) Rich Tracy? We have Rich Tracy. So we're going to talk about Internet Crimes Against Children, and Frank, why don't you start? Uh, Do you want me to just start with an introduction about me and that type of thing? Sure. Um, So I've been employed with the Tucson Police Department for about 23 years. Um, I've worked various jobs, about 13 years in patrol, um, 10 years as a detective, I've worked domestic violence, aggravated assault, homicide, uh, internet crimes against children, and now I'm in the sort unit, sex offender registration and tracking unit. Okay. Is that a hard job? How do you keep track of these people? <laughs> uh, we have an extensive computer system, and they're all required to come in, well, go to the sheriff's department and register every year. So to put tags on them that you can monitor, <laughs> like they do lost luggage? <laughs> And Scott is uh, the vice president of Ask Cops. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jim Parks. I know he's listening. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us about your background. So um, I retired from the Tucson Police Department meritoriously in 2020. Uh, my last five years was as a detective with the Internet Crimes Against Children's Unit. And prior to that, I was in uh, patrol and uh, I was in several plainclothes assignments. Okay. So you both have a lot of experience I know this is a huge issue, this Internet crimes against children. Who wants to start? Scott, do you want to? Sure. So I'll just give a little background. Um, The Internet Crimes Against Children's Unit with the Tucson Police Department was started in uh, 2005-2006 by two detectives uh, that were actually assigned as child sexual assault detectives. Some of their investigations... um, crossed over with the internet so they saw a need for that and they reached out to other organizations that had internet crime units in place already um at that point uh, there was a grant given by the united states marshal service and the department of justice to start uh, a small unit at the tucson police department and at that time it was uh, two detectives uh, and a sergeant and a computer um and then that blossomed into where the unit is at today 
Okay, when you talk about internet crimes against children, are you talking sex trafficking? So sex trafficking does get involved in it. It's it's a, a caveat to it. Okay. Um, but basically, uh, the Internet Crimes Against Children's Unit uh, investigates uh, sexual exploitation of minor cases, which occur online. Okay. Um, luring a minor for sexual exploitation, f- furnishing harmful items to minors online, and also sextortion cases, which tends to be federal cases. Okay. How can you give somebody online something that's harmful? What's, explain that. So uh, in uh, there are investigations that come up where uh, we found that adults were uh, meeting um, children online um, and uh, basically taking pictures of themselves naked and sending them to the children and encouraging the children to send naked pictures of themselves back to them. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And when you find this out, how do you find the person who's committing this crime? So um, That's where Frank comes in. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So uh, it's a rather complicated process. Um, We track their social media um, information through search warrants, subpoenas, and that type of thing. Um, It can be complicated because you can be anywhere in the world and communicate with people over social media. So... That's why it's normally a federal thing. We get the the FBI involved. They work with us pretty extensively, um, and HSI does too. So we will get subpoenas. We'll try to locate the person, identify them, um, which can be hard at times um, because, you know, if somebody, if you just have an address, you don't know exactly who it is that uh, is doing this at the address. and a lot of times, these people don't send pictures, real pictures of their face. They'll use pictures of somebody else's face because they might not look like what they want to look like. Okay. And um, maybe they're not so attractive and, you know, it's a little bit so harder. find somebody who's attractive and send that picture. Correct. So when you say address, are you talking a physical address, brick and mortar, or are you talking a computer address? Yes, on both. <laughs> okay. So so we use the computer addresses to find the physical address. So where have you been? Have you been out of the country looking for bad people? No, just Tucson. Just Tucson. Just Tucson. Do we have enough of them to keep you busy? We do. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> discouraging. It is very. <laughs> so once you find the address or the addresses, what do you do? What's what's the how do you go about that? How well, do you it depend- prove? It depends on the case. Um, we see if we can develop probable cause to obtain a search warrant for the residents. Uh, we also try to obtain more information about the person or persons who live there and uh, include them on the search warrant so that we can um, gather their electronics, um, download their electronics, if you will, forensically analyze them, and then uh, basically take the information off of there and see if there's anything illegal or if they're doing a sextortion case like Scott was mentioning, see if we have pictures or images that we can match up with with the original case. Okay. So does the FBI get involved when you're doing it locally? Uh, the FBI because- comes out on the majority of our search warrants. Um, they come out and help forensically. Okay. And 
if we have a case that we think is going to be outside of our jurisdiction um, or across the state lines, then the FBI will help us out with that. And we, we work pretty closely with them. So somebody is just doing something egregious like this just locally. It's not a federal case. It can it, be. It can be. It, it just depends be. on, they have jurisdiction. on yes. too. Okay. And it also depends on, on what we find or if we find that they're communicating um, with people outside of the state, then the FBI can uh, open up a case also and, and further that end of it. Okay. So when you go to court with something like this, you've been to court, right? Uh, several times. A little bit. <laughs> okay. So what happens in the court system? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking these, these ugly pictures of naked people. Is that evidence? Do the jurors get shocked? <laughs> if, it makes it, if it makes it to a jury trial, then yes, the jury is shown whatever images are evidence, whatever whatever the charged images are. I wouldn't want to be on that jury. It's difficult being in the in the courtroom uh, and watching that. Um, it's difficult for anybody to see right. anything like that. Um, there are ways. From our perspective, um, we were taught, I've been to several classes, several trainings, um, you you treat these images, these are victims, these are children that are being victimized, Um, and there are are ways um, to to deal with that um, as an investigator, and again, there are several techniques. Uh, One is um, something that worked for me a little bit, obviously, in the back of your mind, these are victims. And my job is to speak for those victims. They don't have a voice. Um, but in reviewing images and or videos, you look at it as like a crime scene. Um, and, and Frank True. working in homicide, can uh, he's seen a lot more crime scenes than I have. Um, but you, you look at it as, as a, a, a picture. Um, and you're there to obviously uh, uh, put that picture together with the crime and in, investigate the crime. So, again, as I mentioned, there are, are, are several... I would, techniques or, or training that uh, Internet Crimes Against Children detectives learn, and um, that would be one of them. Yeah, because you, somehow you have to cope with what you're looking at. <clears throat> I mean, a, a homicide is one thing, but these are innocent little kids. Right. But, you know, it, the whole thing is just, wow, how do you deal with that on a daily basis? Well, <laughs> and, you know, we have several techniques, like Scott said, and one of them is, you know, not, not viewing any images or anything after or an hour before you leave work, um, going out for walks, working out, um, that type of thing. Just trying to keep it together. Yeah. Okay, because that that's really ugly. Okay, how do these people lure kids into the... I mean, I, I can't imagine somebody sending me uh, a message saying, hey, take a picture of yourself naked. I'm like, what are you, nuts? <laughs> how do these people lure these minors into doing something like this? So uh, the majority of the luring cases that we get um, were from online applications. So as we know, uh, kids nowadays um, use a lot of online applications, not saying that adults don't. Um, some of the the ones that I've investigated were like Kick Messenger or Facebook Messenger. Um, and a lot of times um, the suspects in this case will just randomly text phone numbers or email email addresses, uh, not knowing who's on the other end, and basically just throwing it up there and saying, hey, see uh, if it sticks. this is me, um, take a picture of yourself and send it back. And they do. And they do, unfortunately. That's yes. 
crazy. It is. It, one, it's, one of the big things now is Snapchat. And, you know, all a lot of the kids are on Snapchat. They want to keep their Snapchat, you know, their snaps going and that type of thing. And they don't really screen who their friends are on Snapchat. So if somebody sends them a request to be a friend on Snapchat, they just accept it. And you can put any picture of any person on Snapchat as yourself. So you, like I said before, you might, you know, your real picture may not be out there. They'll use a picture of, you know, a young male or a young female um, and poses, you know, a young male or female and, and then befriend the child or teenager online on Snapchat and then, you know, eventually talk them into either giving up their passwords uh, for their account if they know that they have nudes online or on their Snapchat account, or they'll talk them into sending them, you know, inappropriate pictures and videos and that type of thing. You know, unfortunately, nowadays, um, I remember growing up, you know, we didn't have these apps, obviously, and there were no smartphones. Um, so um, you were popular by how many friends you had, like physical friends. Uh, nowadays, real with people. The, real people. <laughs> nowadays, with the age of the internet, um, you know, uh, these kids uh, that are I've seen with investigations that you know, it's how many follower followers you have, uh, how many virtual friends that you have, um, and and that's where um, our investigations um, start. Is I've seen that sometimes. A lot of these kids have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of friends that they message with that they've never met before. Um, so obviously getting the parents involved is, is the biggest thing. And we can talk about that a little bit afterwards. Yeah, you you want to talk to your kids. But if, you know, the kids are going to listen to kids more than they're going to listen to their parents. Right. It seems like that's that's something that's never changed. And if their friends are doing it or, you know, talking to people that they don't know, do any of these people ever say, you know, I'm I'm from Italy or I'm from Africa or I'm from, you know, England? Do it, they ever disclose where they're from Well, when they're talking to these kids? Sure, they do. Um, but who knows if that's where they're from or not? They could be living across the street. They could be living across the street. Absolutely. That's creepy. Very. You have a creepy job. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. And, you know, I know this is something that's going on. Obviously, it's going on in Tucson, but you've got special people trained to do what you're doing, right? That go after these people and follow them. What do you mean by follow them? Well, if you've got an address, you know, like you were saying, you've got an address of somebody, you try to find out more about them. Right. So not follow them so much like, right. you know, I'm your friend now. <laughs> but, you know, just find out more about them. Yes, we, we have, you know, analysts at work. We also have other computer programs that we can use at work that are, you know, pro- proprietary and law enforcement only, where we can research people and um, find out about more about who's living in addresses and, and that type of thing. And then the old the old-fashioned physical surveillance where we sit out down the street and watch who comes and goes. Yeah, that's that's boring. So <laughs> it can be very It's boring, boring but necessary. <laughs> exactly. So when you're doing the how long were you in the department? On when our that dep- 3 years in internet crimes. 
Do they rotate people in and out? Because I imagine if you had 25 years of that, that would be that would be exhausting. You'd be a different um, person by the time you quit. Everybody has their own threshold of yeah. how long they can stay there. So, Yeah, I imagine it would take a lot. Of- it, it does. There's So I was up to about five years before I retired. Um, I wouldn't call it an industry standard, uh, but a lot of agencies after five years mandate that their detectives rotate out uh, and have at least a year break before they're able to come back. If they want to come back. If they want to come back. Correct. I don't, do you guys have a comfort dog in your unit? The, you know, no, I know no, the FBI the, does. They have the, Paisley. Um, not in our unit. They do have comfort dogs that will, will come by the, the department every once in a while, but it's not a real regular thing. I would, I would think you'd want your own dog. <laughs> it would be nice, and, and uh, there are groups that have them. Um, yeah. When I was there, uh, the the uh, the canine unit um, was close to where we were located, so a couple times, if I hear the dogs in there, I'd yeah. go in and just kind of take a little break and hey, hang and, out with the dogs for a little while. Yeah, I never put the bite suit on, but I would uh, <laughs> I would go in there. <laughs> They're a different type of dogs next door. <laughs> True. So these people, is it? sex trafficking do these people get these kids are they grooming them for sex trafficking or they're just grooming them for pornography on the internet um or both? I, I think there's both out there um we have a detective there at tucson police who deals a lot with our sex trafficking cases um and she's busy we deal with the other aspect of it the sextortion internet crimes against children and that type of thing so i can't really speak to how how busy she is she's yeah, busy that, i know she's busy. <laughs> she's yes. very busy yeah i i never like separated these but it is a separate crime it is in my yes. head it wasn't ever separated it and was all can, one thing they can be related but so what if you if you're caught and you're convicted of something like this what's the penalty what's the jail sentence so if you're caught for the possession of what we call child sexual abuse material. It's more commonly called child pornography. Um, that for each image or video, for us, the standard is 10 years in prison. For um, each image? Each image. So up to 10 years in prison. Does that happen on a regular basis? No. Um, it can be a little bit less. Um, but, you know, we, we charge 10 images... That's 100 years in prison, 50 to 100 years in prison. So you'd be very old when you get out. What's what? Yeah. <laughs> if you get out. If you get out. What What is the longest prison sentence that you've experienced? That one Anybody? belongs to Scott. Um, I had a, a case that went to trial. Um, and in addition to the suspect that had uh, images of uh, children being sexually assaulted, uh, he was also charged... Um, with sexual abuse of a minor, uh, actual the physical sexual abuse of a minor. And um, he was convicted at trial, and the sentence was about 457 years in prison. Wow. Yeah. Good. With, with no possibility of parole, right? Uh, I don't believe so, no. But- in most of these cases, at least uh, in my experience, um, very few go to trial because of the case that uh, our detectives or we were able to put together um, these are very very strong cases 
And I've had very few go to trial. Most of these cases, there are plea agreements that are offered in these cases. Um, and I think the minimum plea agreement that I've had in my cases was 20 years. Plea agreement, okay. Instead of... Instead I'm, of going to I'm, trial, yeah, um, the uh, we work obviously close with the prosecutors. Um, but only twenty years—that's that's like nothing. Twenty years is actually a long time, though, when you think about it. Um, it's uh, again, it depends on how many images and/or videos right. uh, the suspect had when when we arrested them and we charged them. Um, Frank and I have both been involved in cases where we've located thousands and thousands of images and videos. And so you only get 500 years rather than 1,000 years in prison. Yeah, the county attorney mostly <laughs> won't charge. And again, there's no industry standard, and I don't want to misstate anything, but normally if we have thousands, um, normally 20 is is the, the, minimum. Uh, the minimum and or maximum that they'll charge. I have... Uh, I think I've seen one case where they've charged a little bit more, but 20 is kind of, you know, whether you charge a, a thousand or, or 20 at conviction, it's still prison time and they'll probably never get out. What about the victims? What, what happens with the victims? Are they required to go to court or, you know, they've got to be in some respect part of this process. If we can identify a victim, then they may re- be required to come in to court. Um, we also use forensic interviews um, down at the Child Advocacy Center, and they just the court may just use the forensic interview, um, or they may just do a deposition of the child. Uh, so they treat they treat the children very well um, in these cases. And is there are there any resources for these victims where they can? get some help because they have to be traumatized um the child advocacy center is really good about that and providing services and help for the kids do they still have the two puppies for the court that go to court with kids i remember seeing one that was seven years ago it was uh, a black one and a tan one right the, yeah. the uh i saw one there okay. um but in reference to the the victim stuff a, a lot of the victims because this is online Again, as Frank mentioned, we don't know who they are or where they're from. There have been a lot of victims that have been identified, and um, we have a computer program to run the images through to identify if these victims have been identified, Right. Um, meaning that they've been seen by other law enforcement agencies and identified. If we run into images or videos of victims that have been identified, those victims, actually, uh, quite a few of them have lawyers that are contacted when the pictures are run, and they are allowed to uh, give impact statements. Um, they're also allowed restitution um, when and if this goes to trial and the person is convicted. So they could be actually being used by this this person, this bad person, and not even realize it until they're contacted. Hey, we found your picture in his computer too correct there there are series oh. of of pictures out there um where the victims when when they were victimized they were eight and ten years old and now they're in their 30s oh my god yeah there's um i i don't have it with me but there is a a victim um of a series that uh, has come out and speaks in public um there was a netflix 
special on it a while back, and, and I'm sorry, it, the, the name escapes me, um, but where uh, the victim actually talks in front of people and to people about her victimization and what happened. That's amazing. We use the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Right. Um, and we run the hash values of all the uh, images and videos that we charge through that to identify potential victims that have already been identified by law enforcement. And that's how we... Did you say cash value? Hash values. Oh. It's a digital <laughs> fingerprint of a picture. Oh, okay. So, I was like... So every, every image, every picture has a fingerprint. Okay. Okay, not a physical fingerprint. Right. But a series of letters and numbers that are only unique to that individual picture. Okay. So when we get uh, evidence in a crime of a sexual exploitation, um, the images and videos that we find are uploaded to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and they keep all of those hash values in a database. So if another law enforcement agency sends their images, they can compare, compare them to see who they see if they can identify who they are wow yeah it's uh i didn't know that yeah it's that's uh, huge it's very big yeah we've we've so uh, you solved a lot of crimes that way in a whole bunch of states that you've never even been to absolutely well yeah they, they normally are not this you know the the crime occurred in in one state and uh we've seen um series of images of, of known victims, you know, from that appear in other countries and vice versa from other countries in the United States. Okay, let's think about that for a second. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com. Were you in the area of the 4400 block of South 7th Avenue at 10 p.m. on July 23rd, 2021? If you have security cameras, you just might have a tip that will help solve the murder that took place there. To stay anonymous, use 88 Crime and upload your video. Si estabas o tienes cámaras de seguridad en la área de 4400 Sur de la 7 Avenida a las 10 de la tarde, el 23 de julio de 2021, Es posible que tengas información que resuelva el homicidio que tuvo lugar ahí. Para permanecer anónimo, use la página 88crime.org y suba su video. Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters brings you law enforcement. 
On our next show, we talk with TPD Chief Kasmar. And please register for the active shooter training. There is no such thing as too much training. And remember to nominate your favorite veteran for a fabulous gift basket honored in the Veterans Day Parade, and the honoree will join us on the show. The details are on lawmatters1030.org. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Detective, TPD Detective Frank, and Arizona Cops, Vice President <laughs> Scott, <laughs> and ASCOP's a good organization. Everybody yes, should is. belong, but you have to be a cop. Okay. I want to understand what can parents do if you know, what can they tell their children so their children can communicate with them about what's going on. How do you, how do they breach that topic? Are you a parent, Frank? Oh, I am, but uh, are you? I'm not. the uh, The internet was not a huge thing when my kids were were growing up and teenagers. Um, Facebook was just coming out and. And that type of thing. And there was problems even back then. I remember problems with my daughter and, you know, bullying over over Facebook. And Yeah, that was... Um, we went to the more extreme side, I think, than uh, most parents. Uh, we just shut down her Facebook account and, um, gee, the bullying stopped. So <laughs> it's kind of a problem-solver there. Yes. Are there... Are there um, Controls are there things that parents can do as far as their computer that the children use? There are. Um, you can you can do several things uh, for computers. You can shut down your internet uh, at night. Okay. Um, they have parental controls on internet. They have parental controls on cell phones. They have parental controls on computers. They have apps um, on the phones. Um, cyber safety apps. Uh, for parents to monitor their children's cell phones. There's even a couple apps that uh, the children won't know about. Um, you can install them, and it's a hidden app, and they don't know that you're monitoring their phone if you feel that's necessary. What's um, the name of that one? <laughs> um, I do not know the name of that one. But there, you- there are several applications out there, free applications also. Um, I'm, I'm a little more old school. Um, I tell the parents, you're the parent, most of the parents pay for their child's cell phone or the internet access. Um, you decide. You take control of it. Um, yeah. I've I've spoke with several parents where um, they were hesitant about taking their their child's phone away from them, and I said why. Uh, and I had uh, one parent say that it that was their child's alarm clock, and that was the only way that they could wake up in the morning was oh. with the phone. <laughs> so fortunately, I had a, uh, I had spoken with these parents several times. They had asked me to speak with uh, th- their child that was having some problems online. And I said, I can remedy this situation very easily. And again, I have to caveat that I had a very good working relationship with these parents. Um, I went online and found a plug-in digital alarm clock for $6 and go. snipped a picture of it and sent it to them. Fortunately, they had a great sense of humor and they said, that's what we're going to do. And they took the child's phone away. The biggest thing that we see with kids or that I saw is privacy. Kids want their privacy. And having that phone is private to them. So what's the best way to deal with that? Take away their privacy. Um, take away the phone. Again, you're the parent. You make the decisions. You decide what happens. 
um, have an agreement. Um, I, at one point, I wrote up a, uh, a small contract that we would give to parents if parents would call in uh, with with uh, the online activity of their children. And it was a very brief contract, basically saying that I'm the parent. I if you're gonna if we're gonna give you a phone, I can look at your phone anytime that I want. I'm gonna see who your friends are. I can take that phone anytime that I want, and basically you can't do anything about it if you want to hold on to this phone. And I, um, I heard back from some parents it worked, and with some parents it didn't. But yeah, it depends on how how they've been raised prior it, it to is. that time. You know, you have to have that difficult conversation with your kid um, about the online stuff. You know, um, I couldn't have done my job without the internet. And the internet in, in, in the right hands and people that are doing good things is great. But when you put something that large uh, in a child's hands um, that don't know that much about it or don't know about security settings or privacy settings, and again, wanting to be popular and have all those friends, um, that that's where things tend to make a left turn um, where the child becomes vulnerable online. I think it really starts with, um, you know, educating the children that, hey, there's bad people out there that want to do bad things to you. And you have to be safe online and be safe on your phone. And, you know, set your your Snapchat and your Facebook and your Instagram to private so only your friends see your page. Don't leave your page open for everybody to see. And it goes for parents, too. Um, These people that are out there looking online if you if you have a parents and you have or if your parents of of girls and you're posting their gymnastics pictures on your Facebook page and the Facebook page is open the people there's people out there that that are into that type of things and they will download those pictures off of the internet off of your open Facebook page so um, you know it the 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 Internet safety rules aren't just for kids, they're for parents too. And, you know, setting your your phone up to privacy settings, not sharing your location, not posting where you're going all the time. And leaving um, your camera open on your computer. Correct. Right. And, you know, I, I have one of those little slide things that covers it up. And I said, what are you doing that for? I said, well, just because. I mean... <laughs> I unplug mine. I take it one step further, and, and uh, it and, might be a little overage, but I only plug it in when I need it, and that's just a personal thing. Yep. How do you unplug it? Well, mine has like a USB connection on it, so I just unplug it. Oh, you're it talking in. about the whole computer? Uh, just the camera. Just the camera. Oh, oh, so if you're talking in. about a laptop. Yeah, right, you, it's built in. So I have a laptop also that it does have the little slide thing, yep. but I actually put a piece of blue tape over it too so and <laughs> i've tested it too yeah and, and again that's personal preference but um frank it and works. i frank and i have both investigated cases like this and, and seen things um where you know people forget to cover a camera or something like that and and um it happens it you're, does. you're and exposed to the world you are yeah that's creepy <laughs> oh creepy people out there that's a creepy job <laughs> So, aren't there aren't there apps that where you can track where your kid's going? Like, yes, absolutely. Lost luggage? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There's um, there's several things. Um, Apple, you know, find find friends. You can set up to where you can, um, if you obviously being a parent, you should know your child's iCloud password, 
and you just set it up and find you know find friends to where you can track your child and air tags same thing stick an air tag on them yeah that's <laughs> so that's a smart thing to do you know put it on their backpack <laughs> tell them that it's um you know in case their backpack gets lost and i think on the apple platform it's still there's like a family um a family app um where it tracks you know if if you have multiple phones on your account um for your kids and your spouses or uh, there's a family app where it, it tracks where they're at too where everybody's yeah. going yeah and it's not hidden or anything like that i mean it's uh it's just like right plain there view. Yeah, yeah and on android platforms there's also um apps that do that as well i'm an apple guy so i don't really know much about the <laughs> i'm an android, android apps. person <laughs> so but they all of them basically have something where you can help keep your kids safe correct yes you can watch where they're going yep. they don't have to know it you can just keep track of them yes and you know what it's that sounds like you know you're spying on your kid you're not you're just trying to keep them you're safe just keeping them safe and you know, for those type of applications, um, you just, if you're interested in that, just Google it and get the best one with the best rating. Or even just call your, your carrier, whoever, like Verizon, call them and say, what do you have? Correct. And Verizon does have um, parental controls uh, built into their system. Do they have tracking controls built in? I don't remember. Don't know. No? I, I don't, don't I'm know. assuming they do. Um, okay. But because um, your phone pings off of towers all the time, yeah. Um, again, as Frank said, the, the best way is to Google it. Yeah, you know, um, just figure out how to do it and correct, and put it on your phone for your kid. Put it on your own phone too. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, not just Google, but you can go to different. Um, there's really good web websites out there, uh, starting with NickMick. It's missingkids.org. Um, they have a lot of information on on internet safety and you know keeping kids safe. Nick Mick, inter- say that again. Nick Mick. Yeah, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Okay, because so. <laughs> people need to know that. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. <laughs> Go on there, and they've got suggestions on there on how to yes keep safe right your and family when. Parents go on there. The first thing they're going to see is, you know, it's it's John Walsh's website where um, it basically tracking missing children. Um, but find the do a little bit of research on there and find the online safety portion of the website and look at that. So, so that- yeah, and Frank was talking about Nick Mc, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So every Internet Crimes Against Children unit in the United States works with Nick Mc. Okay. As a matter of fact, that's where um, a lot of tips come through. Okay. And um, it's like an ADA crime for missing kids. It is, and okay. again, they also do missing, you know, missing and exploited children. So it's it's a it's a whole caveat dealing with yes. kids. Okay. Um, and uh, a a lot of complaints that we get or tips are filtered through the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. All right. And then come to us. They're sent directly to, well, Frank now. So <laughs> just to kind of give an over, overview of how that works, um, any internet service provider or electronic service provider, Facebook, Snapchat, Google, um, Bing, Image, they're all required to report to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. If 
anybody uploads, downloads, or shares child pornography. So they send in what's called a cyber tip to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, there's agents there that are working. Um, they filter it out, and they send it to the appropriate Internet Crimes Against Children unit throughout the United States. There are ICAC units in every state. Um, not every police agency has one, but every state has an ICAC task force. So you have one, Phoenix has one, but your smaller agencies may not, so they have to report to the larger agency, right? Yes. Is that how it works? The Attorney General's office has got um, Internet Crimes um, uh, investigators as well. So if some of the rural agencies don't um, have the necessary resources, they can take the case and work it. And the our federal partners also get them, and they, they work the cases as well through the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the ICAC Task Force. Now, as imagine your smaller agencies don't have the training in that arena, would they? Well, it depends on their funding. Yeah, it all takes so. funding. So I had work cases uh, where, um, so like the Pima County Sheriff's Department, we work very closely with them. Uh, They have uh, some detectives dedicated uh, to the online investigations. Uh, The smaller agencies that you're talking about, um, like Marana, Oral Valley, Sarita, uh, a lot of times they would reach out to us to assist them. Okay. uh, But they have detectives, so we wouldn't necessarily take the case from them, but we would assist them with the case. And how does that filter into the court system so it it would all be charged through because it's a felony everything goes through superior court okay so uh a misdemeanor would go through their own municipal courts but these are felonies so everything would go through superior court in tucson okay so and everybody has to show up oh yes if it if it actually goes to trial yes okay wow so let's talk about emojis because I, I heard somebody on I heard somebody saying that kids can actually communicate just using emojis, and their parents don't know what they're saying. Well, some parents don't know what they're saying. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Right. So once again, we're going to go right back to the Google. Okay. Okay. And you just go on to Google and you type in emoji hidden meaning chart. Hidden meaning chart. Yep. Emoji hidden meaning chart. Because I I Googled emojis this morning and I just said meaning and it was like pages and pages and I'm like, I'm not printing that off. And and they keep adding more and more and more um, every hour probably. I mean, there's just so many different ones out there and they change. What, What an emoji meant yesterday might not have the same meaning today. Great. So... That's the that's the hidden meaning. It's kind of like the Urban Dictionary of emojis. <laughs> I couldn't remember Urban Dictionary. I yeah. typed in Suburban Dictionary. <laughs> like, whatever. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. So, you know, just go there and, and find out what the hidden meanings are. That's the key word there, hidden meanings. Yes. And then, you know, the Urban Dictionary has helped me out a lot when Jennifer told me about that. And again, what you have to remember is this is something that somebody came with, came up with, and it's posted online. Okay? So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. No, it's not um, true. You have to do your own, your own research into yeah. it. That's the thing. Well, um, and ask your kids. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah. And they might have 
They might make some stuff up because they're embarrassed about what it means. And then they might lie to you or they might really tell you. So, but educate yourself and, you know, go online and look at the hidden meanings. Is there some type of a class or something? You know, I'm I'm thinking all these kids are just started at the university. Do they go to a class or something about how to stay safe and what to do and not to do with your computers or, you know, high school kids? I don't know of any university classes offered at that level. I know in the... Um, when I first came to the unit, um, we would go into the schools. Um, like high schools or middle schools? Middle, middle schools. Middle you schools. want to get them at the younger ages, but um, that became more preschool. more difficult for... No, the preschools. Uh, <laughs> it would get a little more difficult for us because of the, like, the size of the classes, and we found that the kids just weren't listening to us, which is understandable. I can't say at that age I was listening to many people either, but we found... Um, so we kind of shifted it and geared it more towards the teachers and the parents. Yeah. And it was easier to have that conversation with the teachers and the parents. And, and, and let I them think, tell their kids. And I think that went along uh, a long way. I know that Frank's still involved in that. And uh, you had mentioned uh, the sex trafficking detective, Jen Crawford, uh, is very heavily involved in that. But uh, also the attorney general's office, I'm sorry, the attorney general's office uh, has... Um, a group that uh, is embedded or works with the Tucson Unified School District that comes out and gives the uh, online safety talks to the kids. And do they listen? Uh, You'll have to ask them that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If I was a youth and I got a picture of somebody's naked body, I would probably freak out. Yes. And, you know, not just my parents would know, the whole block would know. (laughs) know? And what do kids, how do kids respond today? Are they, okay, that's just another naked picture? Is it, you know, it's like, I think with with, um, kids get cell phones at a very young age. um, And for some reason, they are more comfortable than I think our generation, if you will, was with uh, their bodies and taking dude pictures of themselves just seems to be okay with them for some unexplainable reason. (laughs) Um, So if it's okay to them, how do you explain to them the danger of doing that? And you know what? Someday you're going to be applying for a job and you're not going to want that picture online. Right. And I think it's just an education of, yes, you may, this person may be your boyfriend or girlfriend now, and you send it to them, but once you hit send, it's out there forever. You mm-hmm. can't get it back. Um, once you send that picture out, you'll never get it back. Um, and people think that Snapchat disappears after you know a certain amount of time. Nothing disappears because there's always screen recordings. There's always, um, you know, you can... Ways of keeping it. Right. You can... Take a picture of with your cell phone of whatever somebody sends you, even if it disappears. You yeah, just have to be quick. It, yeah, now it's not disappearing anymore. Right. It's and out there. Frank, maybe you can verify this. I, I believe when Snapchat came out or as it was building, uh, there was a notification if somebody took a screenshot. So if I, if I sent you a picture over Snapchat and you screenshotted it, I would be notified that you screenshotted it. Well, it's too late. You've already got the picture. See, that's the thing. People don't realize, again, with the disappearing thing, 
nothing disappears. So a screenshot is not with your telephone. It is with your it phone. Is. It is with your phone. And yeah. it can be with a computer, too. Yeah. Okay. So and now it's still out there. It's still out there. And, and what uh, parents have to realize is uh, a lot of these applications, and I'm not saying these applications are, are, are all bad. Um, there are some more significant ones that we hear about more or heard about more. Um, and a lot of parents will ask questions like, well, I don't understand. To get into this app, you have to check a box saying that you're 18 years old. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Uh, my child's not 18. Well, of course they're not, but nobody's verifying that. Yeah. And um, that is the, a way around things where the manufacturer of the application is putting it on there. Hey, just so you know, you have to be 18 to download this and to so use it. So does that keep them from being sued? I'm not a lawyer, but um, I would think that is one of the reasons why they do that. That is that is their release of liability that, hey, we told them you have to be 18 to be on this site. We've we've done our due diligence. No, but again, I'm, sounds I'm not to me a like they're facilitating a federal crime. <laughs> just just my thinking. Right. I <laughs> just, want, just throwing it out there. So if you're doing this, it's federal crime. So. What do you tell kids? What do you tell kids and their parents today to help them? Because this sounds like it's something that's evolving. Every day it's different. So how do you keep up with it? Well, I think it. we go back to the beginning where we were talking about, you know, setting up your phone and your computer and not sharing everything, um, setting your privacy settings to private and only to share with your friends, making sure that you actually know the friend before you accept their friend request. Um, if you don't know them, then why would you want to be friends with them? Yeah. Um, Real friends are better than virtual friends. Right. And, you know, the, the cute boy or girl that's sending you the friend request um, could really be some creepy old dude in a basement somewhere. Still living in his mother's basement. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You um, don't know. So... That's part of it. Um, don't post or share things that you wouldn't want everybody in the world to see. So if you don't want everybody in the world to see a picture or a video or something, don't share it. And that, that includes taking pictures of your kids in front of their school. Absolutely. In front of your house, house. with the numbers visible. Yeah. And, you know, just some things that your vacation, you're on vacation. Oh, look, right. we're at Disneyland. and like, We're at the beach. Okay. Yeah. So, and where do you live? <laughs> I got that on the last post. <laughs> so, you know, you need to be careful. There's there's just so many things you, you do automatically without thinking. You know, it's my birthday today. Why anybody puts their birthday online on Facebook? Oh, all these people have birthdays. <laughs> Why Everybody's would you got do a birthday. That? <laughs> Why would you do that Celebrate online, though? Celebrate friends now, and family. Yeah. Now you're going to let everybody know your name, your address, your birthday, Right. When I was, uh, uh, when parents would bring their kids in and we'd talk to them, um, a rule of thumb that, that I would go with and impress upon it upon the parents and the kids is before you, before you hit that send button, whether it's a picture or a text or with parents and adults, and uh, this has happened to me before, <laughs> read it again before you hit send. Think about it. Um, and that has saved me a few times where there's some things that, uh, uh, some emails that, you know, I probably shouldn't have sent out, but I did. 
Um, and, and again, explaining this to a, to a child is, is a little more difficult, but if you can embed it in the parents to talk to their kids about it, before you send that, think about it twice. Yeah, because once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. It's in the universe. Anybody right. can read it. Yep. And like I said, if you're applying for a job... This stuff does come up, and, and, and that's another up. thing that we, uh, uh, I, we've talked to kids about, uh, like the high school ages, where, and I believe, and I don't want to misstate anything, um, I even think the military is looking at, and most places are requiring you now to put down any of your social media stuff, because I know large corporations are doing it. Um, they want to see what you've been doing. Now, some things could have been a mistake or easy to talk off or... But um, they they want to hire the you know the best people and and uh, people that aren't making bad decisions or posting things that are racist comments or naked photos Correct. or you know all this happy stuff. You really need to think about what you're putting out there, yeah. and it will all come back to bite you. How huh, rich? <laughs> yes, it will. See. <laughs> <laughs> Got him to say something. <laughs> I thought I was going to be quiet, quiet for a whole hour, and look at what you did to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really appreciate you guys coming on here and, and explaining this stuff because, like I said, I, I pretty much in my head I clumped everything in one category, but this is actually a really separate it situation. Is. There, there's a lot of different. I mean, again, when you're talking about online, this this large the the uh, was iot internet of things uh it's it's a big world out there um, especially online and uh there are different crimes that are occurring and this is just a very small percentage of it that that we have in tucson compared to oh it's all i mean this stuff uh, it's happening every minute of every hour of every day of every year Uh, it just it doesn't stop is there a commonality between the people that do this other than what they're doing? Is there something about their life or their their appearance, their lifestyle? Nope. No. Um, we've arrested people. Uh, we've arrested cops. We've arrested uh, people in the military, uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, university professors, uh, the guy who sits in his mom's basement and smokes weed, um, Construction workers, border patrol agents—you name it—we've arrested them. Wow! So wow! We, you so you really uh, anybody? I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. Or there, I, I have not found a common. You're, you're not a case th- for the couch. I have not. Well, I have not <laughs> found a common thread. Okay. Yeah. Um, as so Frank said, uh, we, we've arrested women before, also for this. Yes. So um, the, it, it, there's no that can't be too common. Um, In comparison, I mean... No, I would say it's less than 1%. Yeah. Oh, we only have 30 seconds. John's waving at me. I want to thank you both for coming on and come back anytime because this is fascinating. And bring a psychologist with you. (laughs) It could be really fascinating if we do that. Don't forget to sign up for active shooter training for next Saturday. It'll be at the Burger Theater. And if you know a fabulous veteran... Just write up a little story and send it to us. We're going to honor a veteran this Veterans Day. And thank you. Shop local. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters brings you law enforcement. 
On our next show, we talk with TPD Chief Kasmar. And please register for the active shooter training. There is no such thing as too much training. And remember to nominate your favorite veteran for a fabulous gift basket honored in the Veterans Day Parade, and the honoree will join us on the show. The details are on lawmatters1030.org. Law Matters podcasts can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.